Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Ben Olson, that's Nathan Fox. Together we're the founders of LSATdemon.com and our weekly podcast, The Thinking LSAT. Today we have what? This was an article in the Wall Street Journal that was sent to us by Sophie. Yeah, this was sent to me by several people. Um, Sophie was first and got her name on the agenda, but even my like old man golf buddies down in Santa Barbara were mentioning this to me because they had read it in the journal. Yeah. Uh, we both have read it. Um, it's pretty depressing. It is. Uh, what do you think we should do? Just... Uh, bullet points. This is a, it was in the August 3rd wall street journal, Andrea Fuller, Josh Mitchell, and Sarah Rondazzo contributing to this long piece, uh, about law school. Yeah. The title is law school loses luster as debts mount and salaries stagnate. That says a lot right there. Yep. Um, okay, so some of the, yeah, let's see here. I mean, I'm happy to quote some of the things that stuck out to me, and we could talk about each of those maybe in turn. Sure. Okay. So one of the things in this article, and this is pretty common of journalism, uh, is to zero in on an individual, right, and tell their story and then kind of show how their story is representative of so many other people. It's not just a one-off case. Anyways, um, this is what this one story is. It says, starting lawyer salaries generally fall into two clusters. We've talked about this a lot. $45,000 to $75,000 for public service and small firm attorneys, and around $190,000 for large firm jobs. And that's according to data from the National Association for Law Placement. Or NALP, as NALP. people call it. Yeah. There's lots of good resources, by the way, on their website, mm-hmm. um, Google National Association for Law Placement. Yep. So anyways, um, when I so now they're quoting this person that they zeroed in on. When I was looking for law schools, I wasn't looking at price as much as what would be good for my career, said Miss Cordell, 30 years old, who said she turned down another school that offered her a large scholarship. I didn't understand, I didn't have an understanding of the gravity of the amount I was borrowing. I hear this and it's like, damn, I mean, this is exactly what we're trying to tell people to watch out for. And it's exactly the thing that they just don't seem to understand. The bigger the numbers get, the less they feel their impact. It's just so big that it doesn't affect them. Miss Cordell owes Three hundred and thirty-four thousand in federal loans for her time at Miami. She went to Miami Law. She now makes an eighty thousand dollar base salary with a bonus of about twelve thousand, working at a firm that specializes in insurance. Because her debt load is so high, she said she can't afford more than the minimum payment on an income-driven plan, which sets her monthly payments according to her income. She can't even afford that. So. <laughs> That's, that's a just absolute unequivocal disaster. Like what happened to Ms. Cordell at Miami law is tragic. And, and she's the one who's like, she's a success story relatively. She's not only a success story. She's just, yeah, she's, it's so common, right? She falls above 
this range that they gave us, $45,000 to $75,000, she's making an $80,000 base plus a $12,000 bonus on top of that. Well, she's not working in public service. So she, you know, but she's also not making six figures. No. Even including her bonus, she's making $92,000 a year, but she owes $334,000. You cannot get out from under that amount of debt. It's too much debt with not enough income. I mean, she's got to be paying 40% of that money into taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So she's making 92,000. She's taken home mm, 55,000, let's say. Well, probably 60. I mean, at that rate, right? The taxes are probably a little more forgiving and there's credits and so forth, but yeah. She's taking home 60. So that's $5,000 a month. What kind, you know, I, I, and probably she's like living in an attorney lifestyle, right? She's probably got a nice car and she lives in a decent place. Suits. But she's on income-based repayment. And when you're on income-based repayment, you're not even in many cases, not even paying back the interest on your loans. So, and it said it elsewhere in the article, it talked about people who were in income-based repayment and the principal of their loan continues to increase. Cause they're only paying- Even the, while yeah. they're making that monthly payment. If you owe a hundred dollars in interest, but you're only paying off 60 of it, that 40 is getting added to your principal and your debt is yeah. growing as you so pay her, it So off. even though she's making monthly payments, her debt is growing. She, by the way, is working in private sector. She's not working in public interest. She does not qualify for the public interest loan repayment programs. So she's not going to get these loans excused. And the loan balance continues to grow. She has basically like sold herself into lawyer wage slavery. Yeah. She's an indebted servant now for the rest of her life. And what? Yeah, what was the point of this? Like, so you, like, if you have a, a deep passion to be a lawyer, then maybe on some planet you could see someone making this odd, unwise trade. But most people are going to law school to make money. <laughs> they want to get a job so they can become financially independent. At at six percent a year she's she her her debt right now is accumulating $20,000 a year worth of interest. You said Ben, you think her take-home pay is 60,000. So it would be one-third of her take-home pay just to service the interest assuming 6%, could be lower, could be higher. Sometimes those loans end up being seven or eight percent yeah recently it's been lower right so let's just let's give her the even if you say four percent say five percent yeah five percent the loans cost sixteen thousand seven hundred a year again just for the interest at four percent it's thirteen thousand a year just for the interest we're still talking about more than 20 percent of her take-home pay just for the interest that's without doing anything to Cut down the principle of the loan. It's just maintaining the balance. <laughs> and she's not working in big law, so she's unlikely to, 
you know, like I guess at these medium firms, she might end up getting raises and bigger bonuses and be able somehow to pay off the loan. But, you know, the opportunity cost, I mean, she started law school five, six years ago, right? Yeah. So she just, it's just tragic because she just got completely ripped off by this law school. Like she's, and she's one of the ones who's actually working as a lawyer. What about all the ones who aren't? Anyway, well, what else? She's you working think about as this? a lawyer, and she's also now a feather in Miami Law's cap because she's counting as a plus for their employment numbers. Yeah. All right. By the way, these fuckers love to say that the average salary for a lawyer is a hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> without you know, they never point out the fact that starting lawyer salaries generally fall into two clusters. Yep. A very big cluster between forty five and seventy five thousand a year, and then a much smaller cluster of people who make one hundred and ninety thousand dollars a year. We call this a bimodal distribution. The mean is skewed in favor of the very few people who go and get a big law, large law firm job, Yeah. which by the way, that's no bargain either because that's working 80 hours a week and the burnout rate is super high stress, alcoholism, divorce, you know, like all the problems that come along with that life choice. But at least those people make enough money that they can pay back their loans. Yeah. The average student at a school like Miami is just not they're really not going to make enough money to pay back the wild tuition that schools like that charge. Yeah. Okay. Here's the second more thing. from the article. Yeah, so <clears throat> I labeled that first clause or that first bit sad. I'm, I'm labeling this next one, a scam between 1985 and 2019, the average annual tuition at private law schools nearly tripled to $49,000 adjusted for inflation. So we're not saying it tripled. We're saying it did way more than that. But in well, it's way more than forty nine thousand dollars in twenty nineteen dollars. Yeah. It's in in eighty five dollars. Yeah. It's forty nine thousand. Yeah. So it it tripled on top of inflation. It tripled more than inflation. Yeah. It. <laughs> if you account for inflation, it tripled, almost tripled. Yeah, well, that's insane. Yes, it tripled in real dollars. That's insane. It, it, things go up in price. That's what inflation is. But if they stay up with inflation, then that's normal. That means that they're priced relative to other goods, similarly as they were, you know, two decades ago, but or four decades ago. Law schools can now charge higher and higher amounts knowing that students can tap the U.S. government's Grad Plus loan program, which permits borrowing up to the cost of tuition, fees, and living expenses. Oh, so the U.S. government's like, yep, go ahead, put it all on us, uh, take out that loan, and we'll then you know saddle you, well, you'll be saddled with that debt. It is now the fastest-growing federal student loan program if graduates' loans are never repaid, taxpayers will be on the hook. And this was stated somewhere else in the article, but it it noted that the university, the university of Miami, is a not-for-profit institution. That's unsurprising. But by the way, that means it pays no federal taxes. So we have a situation here where a school is raising the price exorbitantly, telling you to go get a loan from the which 
which is supported by this federal government program, and now they're benefiting from that, and yet they don't contribute anything to the federal tax system. It's insane. So, yeah, and we've talked about this on episodes. It's been probably a year now since we uh, discussed it on the Thinking LSAT podcast, but uh, it it's like the only solution to this I mean, either all law school applicants could become more savvy and stop signing their lives away, yep. which we like to think that our listeners and our students do. Yeah. I mean, we've sent hundreds of students to law school for free, and that's our mission is to get you not to pay for law school because it's a scam. Yep. Um, and you don't have to pay. Uh, you know, Ms. Cordell turned down scholarships to other schools. And that was a real bad mistake that she made. Yep. All students could either drink our Kool-Aid and stop paying these outrageous tuitions, or the U S department of education can step in and say, Hey, these job outcomes don't justify these types of tuitions. And we're going to stop guaranteeing these loans. That's apparently what happened. You remember Ben, I think it was Charlotte law. That's what happened a few years back. The U.S. Department of Education stepped in and said, hey, Charlotte, sorry, you guys don't qualify for these graduate plus loans anymore. Might not have been the plus loans specifically, but it was definitely the U.S. Department of Education shutting down, saying, hey, you can keep operating. You can charge whatever you want to charge. We're just not going to guarantee these loans anymore. And what happened was Charlotte immediately went out of business. You know what's crazy about this, too, is that the the government program doesn't even have to take drastic measures like shutting it down to fix the problem. Um, even a small change like saying, you know what, we're not going to let you borrow up to the cost of tuition fees and living expenses. We're only going to let you borrow up to $20,000. That's yeah. A reasonable, like on some planet where that could actually be, what it should cost. Exactly. I mean, I would force the schools to go, Ooh, okay. Now you got to get the money from someone else, which is then actually going to decide, eh, do we really want to well, lend money to people like that? Yeah. Why, why has your tuition tripled even when accounting for inflation? I mean, inflation has been very low since 1985, mm-hmm. but even if we account for inflation, your tuition has tripled since 1985 what's your justification for that? Because we're on the hook for these loans. And the truth is it's the loans that have caused the tuitions to yeah, triple because people can because easily get this, the money. Why not ask for more? Yeah. The, the kids don't care. The kids don't know what they're getting themselves into. Sadly, they just sign their name and they, they think, Oh, this is gonna, I'm embarking on this legal career and it's student debt. Student debt's good debt. You know, I mean, there's, there's no such thing as good debt. Nope. It it's money that you owe that, you know, you're, you, by the way, you cannot file bankruptcy to discharge these loans. I mean, like they, this, the, the journal is like, if graduates loans are never repaid, taxpayers will be on the hook, but the, the graduate or by the way, they don't have to graduate. <laughs> it's, it's just a student, right? Like if you go for a year or two, you're still going to owe this money. If you go for three years and don't graduate, you're still going to owe this money. If you don't pass the bar, you're still going to owe this money. If you don't get a job, you're still going to owe this money. So the students 
the yes, the taxpayers will be on the hook if the students never pay the money back. But that's a that's a but, that's a worst case scenario. That's you've well, had this debt for your entire life, and someone just is no, literally your entire yeah. life because you will have to die. Yeah, that you're you're going to be on the hook for that until you die. Bankruptcy doesn't do it. And for many of these people, their loan balance is just going to grow and grow and grow. So, so really, this is the result of, of three complicit parties, right? One is the law schools and their willingness to charge exorbitant prices for things that they know aren't worth it. But hey, if you can charge more, why not? Two, the U.S. government foolishly guaranteeing these loans for undefined amounts of money the cost of tuition, which is defined by the law schools, fees and living expenses. And then three, the students themselves foolishly and willingly playing this game. It's all three parties. They're well, all responsible. There's a fourth party, which is the American Bar Association, which presumably is supposed to be protecting the populace mm-hmm. from scam law schools and scam lawyers. And they're supposed to be actually doing something to accredit law schools. And, you know, you would, you would hope that the ABA would step in and say, Hey, wait a minute, Miami, you're, you're charging this crazy amount of money, but the job outcomes of your students, like there's too many of these Ms. Cordell's who, even if they are successfully practicing law, they're still not able to service the debt on their loans. What? No, we're going to ding you on accreditation. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's either the accrediting body or the U S department of education has to step in and say, Hey, we're not going to do this anymore because the law schools have no incentive to, they're making money. They have the opposite incentive. They have the opposite. They have the incentive to continue raising prices as long as the government is willing to guarantee them. And as long as students are willing to accept them, our students have no excuse. If you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, if you're an LSAT demon student, if you've been listening to one or both of our podcasts, if you get yourself into this situation, it's on you. It's your fault. It's your fault. If, if you have heard us talk about this and you do it anyway, it's your fault. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. If you have heard this message and you're still going to sign your name for that amount of money, it's your fault. But I feel bad for the, you know, vast majority. We're just, we're like independent two small LSAT teachers and have a couple podcasts and nobody listens to us. And I feel real bad for the 95% of law students who have never heard our voice, who then just kind of trust that, you know, cause like, don't we grow up kind of trusting our establishments? Like we, we trust these organizations. We don't, we don't expect that the university of Miami law school is going to rip us off. Well, I would say even broader, the university of Miami period. They're, university of Miami as a gigantic yeah, institution. The, you're talking to the president of that university or the Dean of the law school. You would expect them to on some level be yeah. looking out for your interests as a future member of the and, broader community. But and the, the state bar of Florida, the American Bar Association, the fucking attorney general of the state of Florida, the attorney general of the United States, the Supreme Court of the United States, the U.S. Department of Education. All of these people are basically endorsing this system investment. Yeah. 
They're all basically saying, yeah, 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 that's a that we're going to allow that to continue. Well, they're doing more than yeah, they're endorsing it. They're they're almost they're championing it almost, right? Like I can't say that word championing that. By by just allowing it by the law school admission council. Yeah. They never stop talking about justice and access and diversity. And like even if they believe in all that stuff. They're well-intentioned, but the truth is black and brown and poorer people graduate from law school with vastly more debt and vastly worse job outcomes. And so like they're scamming the exact people that they claim to be, you know, championing. Yeah. They're opening the doors for all these people, but what they're really doing is they're just opening the doors to this horrible scam. It's disgusting, honestly. I can't. I don't know how they sleep at night. It's really, really bad. So, so anyway. this goes back to what you were saying earlier. the 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 article continues. Roughly two in three recent law school graduates haven't repaid a dime of their personal balance within two years. Principal balance. Oh, sorry, a dime of their principal balance within two years, or had suspended payments altogether. If the graduates don't pay down interest, often topping 7% in recent years, their balances will grow, not shrink. Okay, well, they said 7%. That's even higher than what you were estimating. So two in three are either only making interest payments or not even making interest payments. (laughs) What? That's insane. Two in three recent law school graduates have not been paying principal back on their loans at all. And of those two and three, we don't know how many are like actually in default, but some of them are just not paying anything back at all. Which is, yeah. how, how does the U.S. Department of Education continue to just like rubber stamp these loans? It's it's bizarre. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Like isn't, well, your job is to farm or to guarantee loans aren't you on some level supposed to be looking at the success of them and say, oh, okay, we're going to do fewer of these because they're not working. <laughs> but it's like no one's home. I hate to sound like a, I'm not like a fiscal hawk, you know, I'm not a fucking like a right winger, but this is just clearly such a bad investment from the government's perspective. And it puts, it's an investment that puts all of these people in such a bad position for literally their entire life. Why doesn't somebody step in and, and just say, Hey, this program ain't working out like, or at least at the very least start policing it at the very worst offenders. Cause I don't think Miami's even close to a very worst offender. I, I mean, I don't, I have no idea what their ranking is. Yeah. Um, Okay. 72, the very middle of the road law school. Yeah. So this is a perfectly representative sample. It's a nonprofit institution. (laughs) And they're just, the outcomes are horrible. All right. Anyway, what else do we need to talk about here? You know how we have this disdain for for for-profit schools, but oddly enough, those schools are actually paying taxes. Um, I don't make a distinction. I, I don't like when I hear nonprofit for profit versus nonprofit yeah. education, 
there are administrators and professors there making hundreds of thousands of dollars at both places at each place. I, I don't, I don't see why we make a distinction between those things. This is the, uh, the next point scholarships by rich okay. students. We say this all the time. Um, but yes. anyways, the article says law school deans say costs have increased. Okay. So now we're going to understand why they've gone up threefold. Deans say costs have increased as schools create more hands-on clinics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why. That's, uh-huh. Let's get to the real yeah, reason. To better prepare students to practice law. Mm, okay. And sure. devote more money to scholarships to attract top students, which improves their ranking. Okay, this is where they tell you two things. One is a distraction, and the other is the actual reason um, yes. they're buying scholarships and they do that to attract top students, which tend to be more wealthy students. <laughs> and that intent there, there you go. So that's, what's going on. I wish these reporters would reach out to us. You know, I, the, they, they don't ever look at the ABA 509 report for university of Miami law. But while we were talking, I just Googled yep. it. And I see here in the grants and scholarships section of their ABA 509 report, which the American Bar Association requires them to publish every year, I see that uh, 2% of their class got more than full tuition scholarship. 14% of their class got full tuition scholarship. 19% of their class got between half and full tuition scholarship. So let's add all that up. 19 plus 14 plus two equals 35% of their class getting half or more and sometimes more than full price of their tuition paid for by who, huh? Who? Oh yeah. By the other students and, and by the, by this grad plus loan program. I mean, that, I, I, that would be one way for them to police it, right? Would be for them, for them to come in and go, hey, you fuckers competing for higher U.S. news rankings by giving all these crazy scholarships to some of your students. By the way, the scholarship, the scholarship recipients tend to be whiter and richer. You, you're giving all these scholarships to whiter, richer kids so that you can then soak the system and soak the poorer browner kids who are paying. They're not just paying full price. They're paying more than actual full price because look at your scholarship matrix. (laughs) You're giving so much in scholarships that you necessarily have to charge these poor kids more. Well, if you're I mean, if the loan program is based on the cost of tuition or that's how much loans they're, they're permitting students to take out or they're guaranteeing, then um, why aren't they looking at schools and saying, well, what are your actual costs? Because they just gave away, right? They gave away the right to decide what a reasonable tuition cost is to the schools by saying, well, guarantee loans to whatever the cost of tuition is. It certainly seems that if they are going to get paid, if the check is going to be coming from this federal program, it certainly seems like those there could be strings attached. Yeah. Including show us your full finances. 
I mean, I have a proposal well, here. We can just look at the 509 and say, okay, well, what are your, what are your actual costs? Because we know that 50% of students paid essentially full, right? And then- We can infer their budget yeah. within ranges. Yeah. Because we can just look at their tuition and then subtract out the amounts of grants and scholarships that they're exactly. giving. We know how much money they're actually taking yeah. in. But I mean, you know, one thing that they don't report they don't break out the scholarships by any socioeconomic criteria. Yeah. I, I would love to see that. Uh, that would be damning. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Let's see um, how many blacks and African-Americans you gave scholarships to. Let's see how many Hispanics of any race you gave scholarships to. Yeah, and maybe we're Let's wrong. see how many whites maybe, and Asians you gave scholarships to. Maybe they're to. giving them out in a great way. But we have... No yeah. clue. And the reality is it's well, probably it just, the other way. Also, it just can't be true. Yeah. The reason why it can't be true is because the LSAT is skewed. <laughs> Undergraduate grades are skewed. White people and richer people do better on the LSAT and on undergraduate grades. And we know for sure that they give scholarships for LSAT and undergraduate grades. Yeah. So it's just fucking hell. This is wow. Okay. What else was so in this the article? last thing? I just, this, uh, the imagery of this pizza scene just stuck with me. Oh yeah. Brutal. Okay. So Mr. Denklu, Denklo, a student in debt said the Dean was very nice and gave the students pizza. But apart from that, I don't recall any help being offered. He said, Miss White said, and I think Miss White is the Dean said she frequently yes. held meetings with students and served them pizza, but she didn't recall that gathering. That particular yeah, gathering, of she course. didn't recall. She said she never would have told students they could expect to earn high salaries after school and that she often advised them to limit how much student debt they took on. I'm thinking, like, what the heck? Like, it's just so, it just seems so car salesy, right? Like, hey, come have pizza with the dean. Sure, she didn't tell them you can't expect high salaries. Yeah, she might have mentioned it in like a blurb as soon as she then goes on to talk about, you know, some student who made partner at some firm. It's like those, um, you know, those uh, those prescription commercials where they're telling you that, you know, the possible side effect is death, but as they're doing it, the people are like frolicking through the park. There's this... Yeah, I'm sure she mentioned her stuff, but no one caught, picked up on it. Surprise, surprise. They, you know, and they do these like fake that they they go in and advise their students to, you know, you don't have to accept that full loan. You you could turn down some of it. I mean, you you could you could come out of pocket for some of your living expenses or, you know, your rent or your food or whatever and don't don't live too high, you know, they, but they're like advising people on the small portion of the loan yeah. that the students maybe theoretically could decline, although they do have to pay rent and utilities and live and eat, you know, but the schools are like, oh yeah, you know, these students, I mean, it's their responsibility to be judicious about how much they borrow and they, they have the option to, to not take the maximum. Yeah. Okay. Fucker. But like 90% of their loan is tuition. And well, that's the thing. You're absolutely right. You have tuition fees and living expenses, and that's what they're talking to them about. They're like, oh, you gotta, you gotta be a little more frugal and, 
You could take out $10,000 in living expenses, but maybe you shouldn't do that. Well, what do most people do? Well, most people do end up taking out all of it, but you know, you should be wise. Oh, you just saved yourself $2,000 on a $300,000 loan? It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> Even if the people do like take the advice and really try to scrimp and save, they're paying so much money on tuition that they're already fucked anyway. Yeah. And so, and by the way, when people are already fucked anyway, they just go, ah, whatever. I'll just sign for the, just give me the max. Yep. And I'm, I'm already fucked. I might as well just be a little bit more fucked. Might as well not like stress out about life and. Yeah. Might as well just be able to like, you know, buy a new suit and also go out to get the bar and drinks and food and stuff. Might as well be able to live like an attorney while I'm in law school. I'm already going to be broke anyway. And it's just free money coming from the government. <laughs> God, this is depressing, but you know, and then by the way, what's our advice? Our advice is we'll take a scholarship. Yeah. Like I, it, one of the main solutions here is that these schools have to stop giving these scholarships from a student perspective. One of the main solutions is you should either take one of those scholarships or not go at all. There are plenty of other opportunities in this world. Life is short. You do not have to go to law school. You do not have to make a living as an attorney. They don't have to charge three times what they charged in 1985. No, nothing's changed. I mean, that if anything, things have just gotten worse, right? Class sizes are bigger, probably. Job outcomes are probably worse. <laughs> lawyers, established lawyers are retiring later and later. It's harder and harder. More and more of that work is getting automated. Like the, the, the real job outcomes are, are worse and the tuition is much more and it's just getting to be worse and worse. A, 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 yeah, a worse investment every year. And so like our clear advice to all of our students is don't pay for law school, get a scholarship or don't go at all. And you can do that at even the best schools in the country. You can, you can go to, you know, schools like university of Michigan, you can go there for, they'll pay you a stipend. If you're good enough to get into Harvard, you could probably go to Michigan for free plus stipend. And Michigan's a fine law school and you're going to have great outcomes from there. There's just like nobody who should ever be paying for law school. And the system is just crazily, crazily broken. It doesn't, I don't know, man, how's it going to get solved? Starts, I mean, we can't control the government very the easily. federal government? Right? We can't control the law schools very easily. I don't see how to crack the ABA or anything like that. The people we can connect with the most directly are the students and the people who are listening. Well, the, the biggest decision you can make in this big mad puzzle is to just decide you're going to go for free or not go at all. And that will solve the problem You can work the, the system in your you. favor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will though, like it's going to be sad at your law school. It's going to be sad because there are the people who barely squeaked into your school are going to have poor job outcomes and a mountain of debt. And they're going to be paying your tuition. I, I, I hope that you, you know, yeah, go to law school for free. And then while you're there, make sure you buy lots of beers for the people that you're going to school with because it's their money. Yep. That's all I have to say about this article. 
Email daily at lsatdemon.com if you have news like this that you would like to share. Feedback on anything that we talked about today. If you want to tell us we're full of shit, definitely email daily at lsatdemon.com. Um, ask us a question and drop us a comment anytime. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.